Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Very good wooing. Okay. So we're in this study in the book of Acts. We're taking our time because we, we want to observe. We want to lean into. We want to become more of the Spirit-filled church. So far in the book, we've seen a lot of cool stuff. We have seen the promise of and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have heard the first apostolic, fresh-off-the-page proclamation of the gospel. We heard, and in that, we heard this. Jesus Christ is anointed. Jesus Christ was crucified, he was raised, and he has ascended. We have heard the call for repentance and for baptism. We have heard the promise of forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have heard the warning of judgment. Those are important because as we go through the book of Acts, we will continue to hear those, not verbatim, but these are the components of the apostolic gospel. The first, and then we also heard the first description of the apostolic church. By apostolic, we mean first things, fresh off the page. Say fresh off the page. So what was, what, how does Luke describe the church fresh off the page? Well, he tells us that the church is a power-filled, need-meeting people. And that they are, and we are, devoted to truth. Devoted, devoted to truth. Yes. <laughs> devoted to togetherness. Yes. And to prayer. Yes. And last week we saw, or two weeks ago, we saw the essence of Christian ministry is essentially expressed in these words. What I do have, I give. In the name of Jesus Christ. With hands extended, we see lives changed. We see people walking and leaping and praising God. Stirring up joy, and eventually we'll see stirring up just a little bit of trouble. (laughs) You're supposed to get excited about the trouble. Oh, dear God. Today we will hear again the apostolic gospel proclaimed. Essentially and ultimately what we'll hear today is I've tried to try to consolidate, kind of bring it all down into a, to, to a statement. Here's what we will hear again today and we will keep hearing. Jesus saves. Come on, somebody say Jesus saves. That used to be something we said all the time. We used to put it on signs and shirts and stuff. Well, get ready. Uh, yep, because we're fixing to make a comeback. <laughs> I'm not promising a neon sign of the church, but now I'm going to tell you this story, and I don't want any of you to get crazy ideas, but I got a friend of mine named Keith, pastors in Terre Haute, Indiana, and uh, he's a he's a uh, Jesus movement hippie evangelist become pastor, good boy, and uh, he's one of my favorite. He's a good boy, and uh, he, has, uh, he has a church there, and uh, somebody got at church there in Indiana, and, and uh, some of his folks, apparently, and was, whatever the details are don't matter, some of the folks in the church said, hey, pastor, we want to put up a sign that says Jesus saves. And he said, well, all right, go ahead. And he said, well, we'll make it a cross. He said, well, all right, go ahead. So they, whatever they did, I, I got, I don't, you don't care about the details, but I, I want to say it was like they grabbed like recycled massive like, like construction beams. Anyway, they put this cross together and it's a giant white cross that says Jesus saves. It's 50 feet tall. 
and big Jesus. Yeah. And it's just, you can see it from everywhere. This giant boop in the ground. It's like, oh. And so, uh, but some people came and complained. They said, you, that's a, about their sign. They said, and then they, and they demanded that they, they said, hey, you didn't get a permit for that sign. And so they went through all of the, the hoops and the whistles and whatever else, and they come to find out that they don't need a permit because it's too big. It's not a sign. It's actually a monument. So they don't have to... It just stays there. You can Google it. I'm Terre Haute, uh, the Indiana Assembly of God. You can see, boop, Jesus saves a giant cross. No images will come up. Anyway, um, it's terrific. Yep. Anyway, so everybody say it again. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We want to say Jesus saves because this is our message and this is our hope. Yes. Oh, also we should have a Bible. Thank you. Reading today from the book of Acts chapter 3. We're going to pick it up at verse 11, go through the end of the chapter and pick up the epilogue in 4. And you'll know what I mean when we get there. Are you ready? Verse 11 Luke writes, while he, he's speaking of the now formerly lame man, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran to them at the portico named Solomon's, completely astonished. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you staring at us as though by our own power of godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. This is the least seeker-friendly sermon ever. (laughs) Imagine on Easter... You put to death the prince of life. (laughs) Take my mug and leave. Uh, You put to death the prince of life whom God raised from the dead. A fact to which we are witnesses. On the basis of faith in his name, it it is faith in the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. Oh, all that's very shout-worthy. And now, some people are new here and they're thinking, where did they get the Red Bull? Are you missing And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did, but the things which God previously announced by the mouths of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouths of his holy prophets from ancient times. Moses said the God that the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your countrymen. To him you shall listen regarding everything he says to you, and it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be utterly destroyed. (laughs) 
And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onwards have, have announced these days. It is to you who are the sons of the prophets and the covenant which God ordained with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God has raised up his servant for you first and sent him to you to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. And verse 4 says this. Many of those who had heard the message believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. So 5,000 dudes plus spouses plus kiddos. That's, that's an arena. There is great power in the name of Jesus. There is great promise for those who repent. And therefore, there is a great choice to make because Jesus saves. There's great power in the name of Jesus. When we pick it up at verse 11, we see Peter and John with the formerly lame man who is now clinging to them, apparently still walking and leaping and praising. And all the people are rushing together. They are completely astonished by what they see. And then Peter says these words, men of Israel, why are you staring at us. Now, you might remember two weeks ago, what did Peter say? Look at us. He said to the suffering man, look at us. This is something that we must be willing and able to say to the suffering. The church of Jesus Christ must have a confident, reverent, awareness that what we have, what we do have, I like that there's a do in there, what we do have, we give. But when the crowds look, when the crowds look, when there is attention to be received, when there is credit to be taken, now Peter says, Why are you looking at us? And then here Peter says specifically that this miracle was not a result of their own power or godliness. There is comfort in this and there is warning in this. Oh, for everybody in the room, there's comfort in this and there is warning. The comfort is it's not by your own power or godliness. That what you, when you say, what I do have, I give, what you're giving is that which you have received. Right, yeah, yeah. Not what you have accumulated, not what you have developed, built, earned, accomplished. You are not giving away your abilities or your track record your, or your successes or your failures. You are giving away what you have received. You are a steward of something greater than you. And it is given to you to enjoy and to give away. There's comfort in that. You never need to pause and hesitate. Always wait upon the Lord, but never hesitate to give away the grace that you have received. Freely, freely you have received. But the warning is this. We must remember, 
And this is also kind of a comfort. Miracles are not a reward for your good behavior. That's comforting and a warning. It's comforting that you don't, have, you don't earn a miracle. They're not a reward. For, oh, good, good boy. You get a miracle. Nope. Miracles are an affirmation of the victory of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they are always appropriate. They're always the right thing because Jesus is Lord. Jesus earned it. They're always the right time. Miracles are not a reward for your good behavior. And as a warning, miracles are not a reward for your good behavior. So when we see them, they are not in, they, miracles are not a reward for your good behavior. Miracles are not an indicator of your spiritual status. Oh, you know, you know, you know, dig me. My brother, another shirt my brother had growing up. Sorry, he had turn and turn and burn and dig me. <laughs> anyway, uh, there is a significant temptation for followers of Jesus and for those who eventually want to, even for those who will, who will lean forward and, and work in leadership to, to take credit, to seek recognition. It is dangerous to want to appear very anointed. That is very dangerous. You should run from that. There, let me just say this as clearly as we can. I hope this is an axiom that, that I live by, that we repeat around our staff tables. There is no Bible for taking credit. There is a lot of Bible for giving praise. Yes. Which is what Peter does here. Verse 13. Why are you looking at us? He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus couple of powerful things here. The name signed at every single expression, every single work of grace, the name signed at the bottom of it is Jesus. Jesus signs every check. You should probably say it out loud. Jesus signs every check. That's because every check is drawn from his account and not yours. Aren't you glad? Ooh. How many of you ever wondered if you had enough in your account? <laughs> he never does. Jesus signs every check. It's all drawn from his account. I also want you to see here that Peter connects Jesus with the patriarchs and those who have come before, that everyone who has come before serves as a witness to the greatness of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the culmination of God's revelation. And then another thing that Peter says, God has glorified his servant, Jesus Christ. I got to be honest with you, growing up, I didn't like that. I thought for sure uh, Peter and or Luke got it wrong. And I would just <laughs> take my little pen and go, <laughs> son, his son, Jesus Christ. He meant to say son. And uh, servant. I was trying to protect the deity of Jesus. You know, I'm... Yeah, he needed, he needed my... Thanks. Yeah, I got you, bro. Uh, uh, but then again, that's just, that's just the, the fault. That, that comes from a faulty hermeneutical approach trying to interpret the New Testament outside of its Old Testament context. Why does he say your servant Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the suffering servant of, of prophetic literature. Amen. 
He is the He is the servant in I, the, the suffering servant in Isaiah. If you open up your Bible to Isaiah fifty three, your the little subtitle there in bold will probably say the suffering servant. That's Jesus. You read all that he is saying. Jesus Christ has fulfilled every hope that Isaiah prophesied. And then listen to the charges again that Peter lays against his hearers. He said, he's the the servant, but you handed him over and disowned him. While Pilate, the bad guy, Men of Israel, you handed him over, but Pilate wanted to release him. You disowned the holy and righteous one. Jesus is the holy and righteous one. That's worth the praise. You you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer instead. You put to death, and ASB says the prince of life. That's because in the Greek, uh, the word is prince, but it can mean forerunner or author. Literally, the, the forerunner, the author, the prince of life himself, you put to death. But God raised him from the dead. Amen. And then he says, we are witnesses of this. Time out just a minute. This is a part of every apostolic message so far. We are witnesses. But here's, the, here's a quick question, because I think this is, I hope to encourage you. You ready? How many, hello, how many of the apostles let's say just Peter and John right now, were Peter and John present at the tomb when the stone rolled away and Jesus came up on out of there? No. In fact, nobody was even awake. There were guards there, but they... (laughs) So actually, ain't nobody actually saw him come out. So what are they witnesses of? We are witnesses. They are witnesses of the risen Christ. They are witnesses. They they have encountered Christ since his resurrection. And if that, if they are witnesses because they encountered Christ, how many of you have encountered Jesus Christ? How many of you have known him, have sensed him, have met Jesus? Then I'm telling you that your message is we are witnesses of this. You are witnesses. Somebody say we are witnesses. Of what? That Jesus saves. (sighs) Now. Here we have all the, a bunch of elements of the fundamental apostolic gospel, but w- what we need is some sort of a therefore, no for certain statement. That's what Peter said the last time. He said all these things, Jesus glorified, poured out. Therefore, he said, based on what you see and hear on the day of Pentecost, therefore, because of what you're seeing and hearing, no for certain. There's got to be some sort of living proof. There's got to be some sort of demonstration that Jesus has ascended. We need some sort of testimony from heaven about the lordship and the magnificence and the power of Jesus. And here it comes, verse 16. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. The faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. The name of Jesus. Oh, somebody say it. The name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And when we say in the name of Jesus, it is not, Lord, help us evangelicals. It's not a slogan. Uh, it, it's not a saying. No. It's not the word. In the name. It is not three or four words at the end of a sentence or prayer. It is so much more aggressive and confident and powerful than that. 
He's sitting, Luke, Peter says it in, 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 in verse 6, and then he re- repeats it in verse 16, and he'll say it again next week as well. But to say in the name of Jesus is to call upon the power of one who is. The best, perhaps, let me just try to give a, a template for you. Because it, 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 so that doesn't sound like he's chanting a spell or saying something. Uh, in the name of Jesus sounds just like this. This is the, 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 the example. Do you guys remember David and Goliath? Okay, everybody remembers that. Even if you've never been to church, you've probably heard of David and Goliath, right? Big guy, little feller, okay? And, uh, and David, is, but that's, that, that David, you know, kills the, the giant, but does he kill the giant because he's good with a rock? Is the rock the hero of the story? No, here's, here's how it actually went down. Here's the single sentence we need to hear for how that went down. And this is the template. This is what, this is what it, the... Peter would have understood when he looked at the at, at this at this man thirty eight years suffering. This would have been the template in his mind when in First Samuel seventeen forty five, David shouted in reply, "You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you with my rocks." But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven and Israel, the very God you have defied. So Peter looks at this man under oppression and torment and said, I'm coming to you in a name that's bigger than me and you, bigger than the torment. I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus because Jesus saves. I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus as if it were he himself acting here. I'm acting in accordance with his will and his nature and I'm expecting the same results. This is why church, this is why church, 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 listen. This is why Paul says in in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is great promise for those who repent. Listen to verse 17 forward again. Now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did, but the things which God previously announced by the mouths of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. Peter affirms that the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, though done by the hands of man, proceeded by the plans of God. That's why when we look at the cross, we don't say, oh, I'm sorry. We look at the cross and say, oh, thank you. Therefore, verse 19, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he might send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things. Peter says, repent and return. He calls them to have genuine sorrow for sin and then an intentional turning toward righteousness, which will include baptism and a public confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, get baptized. We'll do it next week. And for those who will repent, there are promises. Listen to this. First, your sins will be wiped out. The record of your sin. 
expunged. The stain of your sin smeared away. The words here are, your sins will be destroyed, annihilated, obliterated. Your sins will be wiped out. And times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Times, this is plural. Somebody say plural. plural. This is times. Times, this is the word, this is the, this is the noun here is times. There will be plural times, seasons, extended and repeating seasons of renewal and reviving will come from the presence of the Lord. This is, again, here is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is, again, the immediate anticipation of the gospel. My sins cleansed, and I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, faith in Christ means I get to be brought into vital contact with the Spirit of God, and His refreshing, renewing presence will characterize my life. And He may send Jesus Christ, appointed for you. Until heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things. Here's a different time. Your Bible might say uh, until the time of restoration, which is pretty good because here's what the deal is. There's a, this word is, is not just a, doesn't refer to a long season, but to a set period of time. He's, it's saying that there will be periods or times of refreshing, but there's coming a time of restoration. Yeah. The Holy Spirit comes as a down payment, as an installation, a first installment of the age to come so that there will be times of refreshing. Come on, say it again. Times of refreshing until the time of restoration. So everything that's going on as a down payment is an assurance of, is the influence of what's to come. Refreshing and refreshing and refreshing the renewal of his presence, the assurance of heaven upon my life continually until there's coming a time when Jesus returns and will restore all things. So the great promise for those who repent is that your sins will be blotted out. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who renews us continually until Christ Jesus comes for us and restores all things. Ooh, that's the gospel. But there's more. Therefore, there's a great choice to make. Peter said, he reminded his audience that Moses said that God will raise up a prophet among them and they must listen to every word. And if they refuse to listen, they would be utterly destroyed. So it, here's the gospel, but it includes this warning. Listen to Jesus or face destruction. And likewise, verse 24, he says, All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel onward have announced these days that God would raise up his servant to bless you by turning every one of you away from your wicked ways. So the great choice is listen to Jesus and be blessed or refuse to listen and face destruction. Listen to Jesus and be blessed. He came to bless you by turning every one of you away from your wicked ways. He did not come to condone sin or he did not come to excuse it. He did not come to make us more comfortable with it. He came to save us from our sins, to destroy the works of the devil, and to turn everyone away, turning every 
every one of us away from our wicked ways. That is blessing. That is blessing. I want to jump to the end here. The epilogue in chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Many of those who heard the message believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. That means many heard and believed. Friends, the gospel is effective. The gospel is life-changing. And when, if we will not mute it, if we will not modify it, if we, will, if we will yield to its full message and power, it is powerful enough to save because Jesus saves. This is our message. This is our message and this is our hope. There is power in His name. Would you say it with me again? There is power in His name. This is the great fundamental claim of our gospel. Jesus saves. It is His name. It is faith in His name that will make you whole. It is in His name that we have forgiveness of sins. It is is in His name because of His names that we can receive times of refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He binds the brokenhearted. He opens prison doors. He sets the captive free. My deep prayer for us this morning is that by the Holy Spirit's working, we would be freshly whelmed with an awareness of the majesty and power of the name of Jesus. That we would more deeply and be profoundly convinced that Jesus saves. That there is hope for you and me in this room today just as there is hope for the world around us. mountain can't be moved they say these chains will never break but they don't know you like we do there is power in your
of my ministry leaders to come and join me at the front. Can we all stand together as we close the service? My prayer again so deeply, so so profoundly is that God the Holy Spirit would overwhelm us with reverent, confident awareness of the power of the name of Jesus. You need blessing, you need breakthrough, you need healing today. Hey, miracles are not a reward for your good behavior. They are a response to the power of the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you today to bring your concern, your need, your request, even if it's from forgiveness of sin to the renewing baptism of the Holy Spirit to a miracle in your body or breakthrough in your life. Let us bring everything to the name of Jesus. If you'd like prayer, I'm going to invite you to come and pray. If you need to go, you certainly may. This is going to be the conclusion of our service. You can be dismissed if you need to. Grab your children, get another cup of coffee, be kind to somebody. If you need prayer, we are here to pray for you in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Come, let's pray. Musicians are going to play just gently as folks come to pray. Otherwise, God bless you.